station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I am your host, Tim Wick. I am joined, as always, by the ultimate expert in all things movies, Melissa Kersher. Hello! And the <laughs> ultimate, complete, non-expert in all things movies, <laughs> Jenny Young. This week we are going to be watching The Magnificent Seven. Originally it was going to be The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, but uh, we had to kind of do a little bit of a rearrange. But that's okay. That's okay. This is a good movie to follow up the last movie we watched, which was The Seven Samurai. So, Precisely. before we start, we have to ask Jenna the ultimate question. What do you know about The Magnificent Seven? I believe it is a Western. Um, yeah? That is based off of The Seven Samurai. Well, yeah, we told you that. Yeah, that, That's kind of unfair that okay. we told her that at the uh, end of the last podcast. But it is something she knows. Okay, but yeah. here's a fun situation that happened to me at home. Um, my roommate, uh, has seen Magnificent Seven. Yeah. But has not seen Seven Samurai. Loser. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can't judge. So, <laughs> that would be awkward. I, I totally can. <clears throat> yeah. Well, okay. Uh, so anyway, so we ended up having this conversation, uh, where he didn't give anything away because that's, you know, it was like, you don't get to give things away to me. That's, that's what the podcast is for. Uh, but we got to compare, because I, w- I would say some things uh, that happen in, in Seven Samurai. Uh, and he would be like, oh, yeah, because I recognize that, that character trope that gets portrayed over here yeah. in this thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm expecting uh, a, a lot of the, the um, characters, uh, the, the character tropes, because um, that was pretty much handed to me. But uh, I'm not entirely certain how much story carries over. Um, I did talk about how in Seven Samurai they spent a lot of time like gathering people, um, and, and not dismayed by it. Just you know, there was a lot of time spent in that. And he was like, um, "Huh? Well, okay." <laughs> like, <laughs> and I couldn't tell from that if it was why would they spend so much time on that particular part of the storyline, um, or if it was that doesn't seem like the storyline that I saw at all. So. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's that's what I've got coming into this. Okay. Okay. So you know that that there, <clears throat> there seems that 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 somebody who's watched just the Magnificent Seven, yes. seemed to recognize some parts of the Seven Samurai as you were describing the Seven yes. Samurai. Um, <clears throat> so you know what's interesting about this film, uh, non-spoiler way, is Akira Kurosawa is a big fan of Western movie making, and he makes some films that are clearly inspired by the American Western. Uh, And The Seven Samurai is one of those movies that is clearly inspired by the American Western. And what happens is within a couple of years of the release of this movie, Mm -hmm. which is huge, it is a huge international success, there's an American Western that is based on (laughs) Akira Kurosawa's (laughs) homage to American Westerns. Yes, it... uh, Magnificent Seven was released in 1963, if I remember correctly so it was uh goodness now i'm forgetting the year of seven samurai so it was it, it was a few years after yeah but it um yeah it's it was uh i believe yul brenner's idea to do it so it was one of the actors in the film who walked up to i think it was the director and said hey let's make a remake of seven <laughs> samurai <laughs> And As a they, western, and then they landed uh, an amazing 
just absolutely phenomenal cast of well-known Western actors, pretty mm -hmm. much everybody but John Wayne, uh, to do this to do this movie. Yeah, pretty and much. Now I know John Wayne isn't in the movie. Yes. Oh, Wayne damn it! Spoiler. Oh. God. We will. We you will have you will have access to John Wayne. It will happen. <laughs> the swagger will be on this podcast, just not today. Uh, so they put together this amazing cast. They make this movie, and uh, you know I don't want to spoil too much, just because it really, especially since the last one we watched is the Seven Samurai. It's really fun to watch the Magnificent Seven and go, oh, oh yeah. I see where they where they came up with that from this other movie, and also some of the some of the changes that they make, some of the adjustments mm. that they make, which are, I you know really I, interesting. They're really interesting, and I don't mean interesting in a Minnesotan way. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean interesting in a. I'm really fascinated that they chose to make that particular choice, uh, not in a good or bad way. So sure. we'll we'll have to get more specific with that. Um, um, later. If I can add more. Things that I think are good, strong possibilities. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, uh, a group of people ride in to save a town. And okay. I feel like, I, I, and this is interesting to me, uh, if that was a thing that um, got pulled over from American Westerns that already existed before the homage, and then continue, or if, or if the saving the town became a part of uh, things afterwards or, or things like that? Well, the saving the town thing, you see it through um, several Kurosawa films, including okay. like Yojimbo. Mm -hmm. I, and you see it in older westerns. Okay. So, yeah, that's probably the, not original, too. Yeah, the, okay. but the, the we're building a team sort of thing came mostly from sure. Seven Samurai. I'm putting a team together. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting the band back together. Yay. <laughs> I just, most of what I know of uh, Westerns is from Blazing Saddles, which probably <laughs> isn't the best source material. You know well, what? It's a great, it's a great parody of Westerns. Well, it and really that's, is. you know, I, I figure like, like Commedia dell'arte, you're just, you know, characterizations of, of and, 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 and parodies of, of things that have gone before. Which like, means we totally need to show you a Marlena Dietrich movie pretty soon. Yay! Who's <laughs> Marlena Dietrich? Oh, oh see, that's why. Oh, can, God. We can, we can fix this. Oh, you will like Marlena Dietrich. Well, but I, she's not in this movie. She uh, is not. Well, okay. Not in this yeah. movie. She is in other movies, but not this one. Yes. <laughs> right. Which is a dumb, <laughs> dumb, dumb thing to say. So <laughs> let's uh, let's let's leave it there. Okay. Let's go away and watch the Magnificent Seven. We'll be back uh, with you in what for us will seem like a couple of hours, but what for you will be mere seconds through the magic of podcasty radio. We are back. We have finished watching The Magnificent Seven as well as the spectacular, absolutely spectacular Trailer B. Trailer B. I've got to recommend you go out oh and get God. the DVD. You want and watch the movie first because yeah. the trailers yeah. oh. actually give away some spoiler stuff from yeah. from the later on oh in the God. movie. But, but but watch Trailer B because you won't be able to get that song out of your head. Seven, seven, seven. seven. The Magnificent seven. seven. Which has nothing to do with the film. Nothing to do with the well, film. There's seven of them. There but, is. And they're magnificent. And, and they, oh, walk yeah. in, they walk in at the beginning of the trailer and they form a seven. 
standing in the middle of the village it's square. It's like a cheerleader squad. And, yeah, and, and and then there's one point in the trailer with this, and there's seven, and there's six names on screen. <laughs> yeah, because, you know. Oh, poor Brad Dexter. Nobody yeah, remembers Brad, Brad Dexter. Oh, Brad Dexter. All right, so, oh, Jenna, yes. uh, you have now watched this film and the seven summary, so what did you think? Um, of the Magnificent Seven. I feel like I saw the same film uh, in Cowboy Hats <laughs> um, with faster pacing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of things, um, like the the, the uh, You're a Farmer 2 speech thing, that yeah. scene, was a little later. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, about two sentences long. Yeah. yeah. It was like, boop. Yeah. Um, it, it was like they took it all, it, it's like, Cowboy Cliff Notes. <laughs> <laughs> Cowboy Cliff Notes for Seven Samurai. But going into this, I was like, okay, well, you know, it's it's American, so it's probably lighter and fluffier, and 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 maybe nobody will die at the end, or one person dies at the end. I was actually really surprised that four people yeah. died. Well, like, they, it was the same out, three that left. They took out the left. same number of guys. Yeah, same number yep. of guys, pretty much the same tropes. Like, Yeah, I mean, they, was, they, they all the characters... Pretty much use the same tropes in Seven Samurai, ex- except for the fact that they condensed two characters into one. They did. And That's then, the horse Buckhall's character. Yeah, he becomes yeah. he becomes the kid and he, he's the Toshiro Mufuni character and yeah. the, I forget and, the name of the And the, the intern. Yeah, the <laughs> and, intern. And yep. then they added Robert Vaughn's character, the the criminal or the the man on the run. Yeah, I should say who. I, I think that is a nice spectrum because once you're talking about yeah. gunfighters, you've got Buckholtz as the kid, and then you've got Vaughn as the this is what gunfighters turn into at the yeah. end. No, I liked that. Yeah. yeah. That was they, a nice touch. They also make the very different decision to make Calvera a character. The, the, oh, the, oh band, God. I the bandit loved leader that. in the first mm-hmm. film is pretty much, you see him in a couple of shots, but he's irrelevant. Yeah, uh, as opposed to this, where the bandit leader is very much an important character and uh, well, a character. and you get to and, see and good, his motivation and, oh, and, yeah. and and his drive and 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 he plays. It's it's not the same level. Like he's got you know dips and curves and yeah, and, and it's Eli Wallach who's this magnificent character actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so much fun to watch, and I want to believe that. This character in Magnificent Seven is actually the same character that shows up in Good, Bad, the Ugly, played by Eli Wallach. Because <laughs> yeah, I can believe that. I'm sorry we haven't watched the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly yet, well, because it would have been but, great to contrast the Eli Wallach yeah. character in, in that film with, with the Eli Wallach character in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eli Wallach, of course, interestingly enough, one of the only two actors still alive. Yeah. Oh, he's 98 years old. Yeah, he's a, he's he was, congratulations, sir. He was, he was working up until 2010. He'd been in 230-some-odd movies. Jesus by Christ. By the time he stopped working. Yeah. God. Yeah. You could so. have, like, a, a movie a day for... Mm-hmm. Okay. For, Wait. For, for almost a year. Well, you could do that for, like, every work... How many work days are in a year? I can't even think. But you could do that for almost every work day if you yeah. Almost, if you, if you wanted to quit your job like and just watch Eli something. Wallach films. Well, no, just <laughs> yeah. after work, you'll watch an Eli Wallach film. Yeah. yeah. Like, and you just do that every day for Eli Wallach a for a year. <laughs> that that's a and that would be an interesting project to say the least. Not it a, might be difficult to find some of those films too. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them are kind of on the obscure side. But nonetheless, <laughs> the point is, 
<laughs> Wallach. <laughs> yeah. Is very around. old, still very much alive. Yes. Not making movies anymore, but... And, uh, yeah, and Robert Vaughn is the other living one, right? That's right. Robert yeah. Vaughn's oh. still around. Okay. Mm-hmm. The rest oh. of them are gone. Robert Aww. Vaughn and his chin dimple. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> it was so adorable. I yes. still say I that love the... Ro- I love Robert Vaughn. I, uh, since we're on Robert Vaughn, I just want to quickly say there is another remake of Seven Samurai called Battle Beyond the Stars, the Roger Corman movie, where Robert Vaughn is in it, playing the master character. <laughs> oh, nice. Yes. Oh, good for him. So, yeah, we ought, so we, ought to, we ought to get Battle Beyond the Stars at some point and do that. Yeah, just, well, just we, need, our, we need to do Corman, and that's a very good choice. There's seven samurai completism. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the whole collection. As, as we move through. Yes, and, and I'll say that's a very different experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, than, uh, than this one. That That is, to be sure, the... Um, the thing that this movie does differently, and I mean, there's there's a decision in this movie. That I like some of the decisions in this film mm-hmm. versus Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai is a better film overall. The one decision I really don't like is the decision of the Calvera character basically giving the gunfighters their guns and, say, oh, and yeah. sending it's them out of town. I'm like, that is so, so dumb. dumb. He would kill them. Yeah. He would kill. Why would he even run the risk? Why would he take well, the chance? Well, we talked about it a little bit. I mean, it's no, not it's the a most dumb, solid it's a dumb reason. But it's, it's yeah. a dumb reason. Your friends in the North might hear about it. You know what? He's not worried about friends in the North hearing about it. He's worried about getting food from this village. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I would have, like, I, I, I missed that the gunfighters just basically wore the wore the the... The bandits down, mm-hmm. and the bandits didn't have a choice. They didn't have a choice but to but to stay. Mm. They need the food. They need what they can get from that village. So they're basically stuck. Um, also, you know, I, I I resent the fact that the uh, the store owner really doesn't ever suffer for his horrible oh, God, horrible that decision that to betray that. his entire village. Like it's better. Oh. It's better. Oh, I know. I know. I've got an idea, guys. It would be better for us if we just let this bandit show up and take all of our food after we hired these gunfighters. I'm sure that I'm sure that he'll be polite to us after that. So so I'll just I'll just sneak them into the village, betray all of my friends, and then at the last possible minute, when it's clear that they've lost, I'll grab a bar chair and smack the guys around a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would have preferred he, to have seen like the because they go off to the the seven go off to, to to find them at night and and they're already down in the village. I would have loved if they had come back in like more cautiously because hey they're gone where the hell did they go maybe you know paying more attention to possibilities tracking whatever um, discover that they're in the village without them knowing and then just like slowly pick them off one but like like go in and 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 what they did at the end only you know in the dead of night without their yeah, yeah the 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 one decision i don't like is when they get when they get caught and taken out of the yeah. village that that to me was a really sloppy writing choice compared to the rest of it which i think is very solid sure yeah uh, but that said, it gives you that beautiful line when when James Coburn puts his puts his gun belt back on and says, "Nobody gives me me my own gun and tells me to run." That, <laughs> yeah. that is a fantastic line. Yeah, <laughs> there are um, some there are some great lines in this film. I I was happy. Oh God, there are some amazing lines. I wish I'd been taking notes. I say that every time. <laughs> uh, and yet you fail. And yet, uh, um, no. I also like that my inner Disney princess was fulfilled this time. 
Oh, I, I was with thinking the, about yeah. you when I when, when I he comes back to the lady and, comes, and yeah, says, in, in the Seventh Samurai, we only see we have to wonder whether he comes back mm-hmm. or not. It's left up uh, in the air. And this one, they this is American film, right? Yeah. So in an American yeah. film, there's no room for ambiguity. Yeah. <laughs> either either he's gonna ride off with Chris and Vin, or he's gonna stay with the girl. But one or the other must happen on screen before the credits roll. Yeah. And uh, and in this case, he stays. Oh. Oh, Disney princess. And she happily uh, rubs kernels off of corn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yeah. if that's uh, uh, Not a euphemism. Not. I, was, I, was, I was wondering if she was going to get so distracted she was going to like scrape her knuckles or something. It's like, ah, <laughs> oh, no, that looks unpleasant. Blood. That looks no. so unpleasant. Uh, the, there's, I mean, it's definitely this kind of who's who of, of American Westerns, as we said. Mm-hmm. There are obviously some... Well-known Western actors that aren't in it because there were I, more I than seven. But yeah, Charles, seven. <laughs> Charles Bronson, of course, is a well-known character actor at this time. So is James yeah. Coburn, yeah. Uh, whose primary primary skill, uh, aside from being a good actor, is being extremely tall and lanky. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he just, Six foot two. I know, and he just, he, he was, looks he looks taller. Yeah, he he uh, looks about two miles tall. Yeah, every time I see him because he's just skinny uh-huh. and lanky, and he looks yeah about and two that, miles tall. That voice. Yeah. <laughs> that voice. Yeah, yeah. Mister Waternoose. Oh uh, yes. <laughs> Monsters Inc. Yeah. Oh. Which was his last film, just so you it know. Was. It was. Um, but uh, <laughs> Robert Vaughn, uh, Horace Buckholz is is new. I don't know what he did after. He didn't do much. Well, actually, he had quite a long career, mostly in Germany. Yeah, He's a see. German actor, which which is strange, because you don't hear a, an accent on him, unlike on Yule Brenner. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Horace right. Buchholz, um did several American films, especially in the 60s. So he was in Billy Wilder's One, Two, Three. He was also in a movie called Fanny that uh, I saw not too long ago. Uh, but, yeah, he was, he was like this kind of pretty boy actor for a while. Yeah. There, there was, and if I remember right, there's one really unfortunate movie where he's cast as an Indian chief. <laughs> but anyway, because you know the huh. Indians, they look German. Yeah, I know. They do. I know. It's so German. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was funny watching this movie, really noticing Neil Brenner's Russian accent. <laughs> yeah, because he he's pretty good, and then every once in a while you catch it, go, oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yep. yeah. And then he takes a drag off the cigarette and go, no, don't yeah, do that. Oh. You're going to be dead of lung cancer in less than 10 years. Well, yeah. it's a more like 15 years. He died mid-70s, right? In this movie. Yeah, or was it the early 80s even? But he, he died of, of, um, of lung cancer. And before he died, he recorded this TV commercial that aired after he died and the uh-huh. TV commercial was if you are seeing this video I am dead of lung cancer you should not smoke yeah, oh my it was, god it was just, I know it's oh my god scene. it's just like Yul <laughs> <gasps> Brenner speaks to you from beyond the grave oh, so every time you watch a film in which Yul Brenner smokes I, I want to do just... something like that so that <laughs> when I die like something gets aired or there's you know yeah. the letter or something but I want it to yeah. be like the gold is buried in <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and just have people wonder forever. Like, I will live forever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, that that if people who grew up in that era where they saw the Yul Brynner commercial, it's like, oh my god, I will never touch cigarettes again because 
Because they Bill killed Brenner. Yul Brenner. Oh. And, and you watch it, again, you watch him in this film and he lights up near the beginning and you're like, no! <laughs> no, 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 You don't know what no. this is going to do to you. <laughs> it's bad for you. Put it out before it's too late. I guess it's a cigar, but whatever. But it's tobacco. It, well, it's, you know, I mean, but cigars don't don't give you lung cancer. They give you mouth cancer. Well, yeah, they're much more likely to give you mouth cancer. Like, I mean, oh, there's yeah. still the second hand. As a smoker, I can say, I fully expect <laughs> that my cigarettes will kill me with lung cancer far before my cigar smoking that I do maybe once or twice a year mm-hmm. will kill me of mouth cancer. Okay. Right. Just and saying. they're from an expert. Yes. There. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, this one's so dark. So yeah, quick. Yeah. Well, it's, well you know, you know it's okay. because people are dead except for Eli Wallach and Robert Vaughn. So yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of deaths to talk about. It's true that we've been talking serious death. Well, the thing about this movie and the Seven Samurai is that they they do kill off main characters. They do. Oh, yeah. There is, and, and they, they aren't just, oh, somebody you don't know that well. I mean, yes, the yeah. two principals in this film survive because yeah. probably uh, Steve McQueen and, he, and, uh, and Yul Brenner were not willing to have, uh, have their characters <laughs> killed off. But uh, the, the rest of the supporting cast and characters that we get to know and characters yeah. that we like... Uh, they're, they're they're not safe. Mm-hmm. No, you, you would think that like the especially the James Coburn character, the the, yeah. the expert, yeah, and the, and the and. one who's the expert in the in the same in the Seven Samurai. You'd think that would be the most likely to be pretty much okay. Yes, yeah. uh, they they're pretty darn competent. Mm-hmm. But uh, although but no. I I did like the the kind of. Uh, the homage to the homage where the the master dies but there's the the knife i yeah. liked that that just that carryover that was, mm-hmm. was very, yeah and james coburn james coburn was a huge fan of the seven samurai <laughs> yeah. a lot of people were. Uh, a lot of people I mean, were but it was, james, it was a huge hit but james coburn when he got asked if he wanted to be in the seven samurai was like yeah or set magnificent seven he's like yeah i want to be that character that's like the sword master guy yeah that was what he really wanted to be. Aw, yay! <laughs> so that's what he got to be. He got to be the sword master. It's always yeah. great when you can fulfill like a dream role. Yeah, Except he was the knife master. Knife master. It, it, it was interesting how this movie got cast because, as I said in the intro, uh, Yul Brynner was kind of the brainchild behind all of this. He was the person who said, "I want to let let's make a yeah. remake of Seven Samurai." And he had actually had a lot of say in the casting, and so he, I think, one of the first people who got cast after Yul Brynner himself was Steve McQueen, which actually kind of wound up being unfortunate because Yul Brynner and Steve McQueen, it turns out, don't get along very well. Well, they were not very good pals. Yeah, so so it won't it wound up being on the set like. Yul Brynner always wanted to be taller than Steve McQueen, so he'd make little mounds out of dirt to stand on. They were about the oh, same thing. Yeah. And, and then Steve McQueen would come over and like kick over the mounds of dirt, and you know, like. And oh, if you if you watch the movie with this in mind, you can see like whenever Yul Brynner has a line, Steve McQueen's pulling focus somehow, like he's touching his hat or monkeying around in the background somehow. <laughs> and look at me, I'm Steve McQueen. <laughs> to be fair, but, that's a pretty awesome name. Okay. Yeah, wow. Steve McQueen's awesome. But he, um, Steve McQueen was kind of this famous gearhead, uh, you know, motorcycle racer and uh, sure. uh, car racer. And he was, at the time, doing a TV show called Wanted Dead or Alive. And he was committed to that TV show. And the way he wound up working on this movie while also doing the TV show is he, he got, wound up in a car accident. And while he was, quote unquote, out sick recovering, he went off and filmed Magnificent Seven. <laughs> 
Yay, that pleases me. And did not get along with Yul Brynner. And did not get along with Yul Brynner. They were not uh, pals. But if I remember right, I think it was Robert Vaughn got cast and then got James Coburn into the movie. They were good friends, and uh, they, they needed to cast a few other parts, and Robert Vaughn said, hey, I know a guy, and throughout the rest of their careers, they would get parts for each other. You know, it's like, hey, I know a guy. Therefore, <laughs> oh, James and, and, Coburn is a guy. Yeah. Very and, tall, lanky guy. But this is the only movie that they co-starred in. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, then. So they they did it's and it's a good movie for them to co-star in. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as far as the story, it does it does very much reflect Seven Samurai until that last like fifteen minutes. Yeah, when you get the whole I'm gonna give you your guns and let you leave, and then you're gonna come back to prove your manlyhoodness. Um, <laughs> manlyhood. Manlyhoodness. Uh, but you know, they spend about forty minutes gathering the the seven gunfighters. Before they they go to the village, so it's not quite half the film, mm-hmm. and it's probably about half the film. Well, no, yeah, it's, it's probably about a third of the film in Seven Samurai because the first half is is gathering the Seven Samurai and then going to the village and starting to prepare the village for the attack of the bandits. Right, yeah. and and in this, it's forty minutes before they they go to the village and they don't they spend virtually no most of what they get rid of is the preparation, yeah. and and a lot of. Character development with the farmers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The farmers are not that important in this film. Who who was the 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 okay the the farmer's daughter? Mm-hmm. Which character's daughter was that? Do we know? Nope. Did I miss no, it? Okay. Really. No, yeah. they just told you that her father didn't want her to be. Yeah. Out yeah. and about and hanging out with the gunfighters because. Eh. Well, that was a major plot point in uh, Seven Samurai. It's just a little tiny thing. And yeah. yeah. Eh. That's that thing. Yeah. So how about that music? Oh, the music. Oh, was yeah. it did you notice that? I noticed the music. Yeah, see I knew that was coming. Absolutely what we we want to say iconic score. Yes, one of the greatest scores. One of the greatest scores ever. And as you were saying earlier, did not win the Oscar. Did not win the Oscar that year. It was nominated, but did not win. It lost to Exodus. Exodus. And everybody remembers the score to Exodus. (laughs) I don't remember the score to Exodus. Nobody's even, as far as I know, I don't know anybody who's seen Exodus. Uh, Mm, But, uh... uh, Okay, I may have seen it a very long time ago. Yeah, me too. But the point is... Probably not me. um, It seems unlikely. No. Nobody talks about the score from Exodus. They talk about the score from Magnificent Seven because yes. it's pretty fantastic. You, you know who um, played piano on the Magnificent Seven score? I bet you do. I do. <laughs> who is it? A young man named Johnny Williams. John Williams? Has he done anything else in film? No, nothing at all. Nothing. <laughs> well, never mind. <laughs> Aside from Star Wars, you know. Yeah. And Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ark and E.T. E.T. Mm. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Lost in Space. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I've even seen a few no, of those movies. The TV show. Oh, the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> and some yeah. of the TV show. Wow. Schindler's List. Anyway, John Williams yeah. has done a few things since then. But on yes. The Magnificent Seven, he played the piano. The piano. 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 Uh, so that 
Let's see. And the director is John Sturgis. John Sturgis, who was a master at making very macho movies. Macho, macho movies. The movie he made after this was The Great Escape. Also starring Steve McQueen. And James Colburn. And Charles Bronson. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. All three of them. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's a pretty awesome movie. It is. Yeah. It'll be on our list. (coughs) Mm -hmm. It'll be on our list to, to watch. Uh, yeah, Sturgis, you know, he's a, uh, what do we want to say? He's not an auteur. He's not yeah. like one of the great directors in terms of uh, what, you know, in the in the vein of a Hitchcock or a Wilder or a Kurosawa. But he made, but he, he made populist movies. Yeah, very, he way. made very solid, popular culture movies. Yeah, John Sturgis is yeah. the uh, Michael Bay of the 60s. If, I went well. If, no, wait, he, wait, wait! He, I'm not done. I'm not done. If okay. Michael Bay made good movies, <laughs> <laughs> we are so watching Armageddon. Because okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that one, the, 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 there, there's some, the, there's some. Never mind. The, the, <laughs> Uh, so anyway, we can have a very long discussion about Michael Bay, but not here. No, no. You guys will start turning into Peanuts parents again. <laughs> Michael Bay. <laughs> Transformers. And according to Wikipedia, and we know how uh, reliable Wikipedia is, uh, the Magnificent Seven is the second most shown film in TV history. Really? Uh, next to... It's a Wonderful Life? Nope. Oh. Star Wars. Wizard of Oz. Oh, oh no, Wizard of Oz. Yep. Wizard of Oz and the Magnificent Seven. Yep. It would make an interesting uh, double feature. <laughs> yes, yes, it would. In that, uh, and I, I think, you know, the point is thematically they're very similar. Because oh, that's true. the Wizard yeah. of Oz involves somebody coming to a faraway place to save the inhabitants who are unable, incapable of saving themselves. Okay. And he gets other people to, to help him with that. Yeah. And <laughs> and they they enlist yeah, they enlist helpers. Yeah. Uh, but not enough helpers. No. Yeah, because there weren't seven of them. There because there's seven. a villain who has an army. Yeah. Of, okay, yeah. Of, yeah. Of assistance. All right. And so are uh, you saying that Wizard of Oz is actually the predecessor to Seven Samurai? I'm saying the Seven Samurai might not be based on uh, sorry, it might not be based on <laughs> The Magnificent Seven might not be based on the Seven Samurai, but might actually be based on the Wizard of Oz. I would buy it if Yul Brenner was wearing ruby slippers. Well, we never really saw that his what was underneath well, his boots. Well, eh? there is the King and I. Uh, <laughs> Yul Brenner playing the King of Siam. Also, there's a well right in the middle of the village, and the Wicked Witch is killed by water. So... Uh, <laughs> Well, all right then. <laughs> Obviously, that's I, I, all we need. Q E D. God, it makes I, so I, much. I can't believe this is where we wound up in this discussion. It makes so much sense now. <laughs> um, so, having proven that uh, the Magnificent Seven is a remake of the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I feel it's time. Beyond for, a doubt. I feel it's time for us to come to the end of another oh, God. Ver, uh, episode of Real Education. Final thoughts, Melissa. I got 
Oh, you go for it, Jen. No, I've got nothing. I've After got that, that, I really, I'm, I don't I'm, know that I've got anything else, really. I um um, I will add. drop the uh, Elmer Bernstein, who uh, <laughs> conducted to who composed and conducted the Magnificent Seven music, also made the music for uh, National Geographic. Ah, yeah. ah. It really is very similar, isn't it? Yes, it's, it is. Its own kind of way, very driven by the horn section. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that's what I got. That's what you got. Okay. Well, I don't think I can say anything I, I, uh, I now that I've already already. I really can't. Come up with uh, a proof that will, I believe, stand the test of time and probably. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can get a book deal out of this, so I'm excited about that. Uh, our next movie, I can't wait, because we discovered Jenna, the huge <laughs> fan of Disney that she is, has not seen The Emperor's New Groove. Uh-huh. I have not. So we are going to get to do The Emperor's New Groove for our next episode. It's awesome. I want to say, I was talking with my son about this, and he's like, you haven't seen it? And I'm like, well, no. He's like, but you've... I could have sworn we'd watched it together. And I'm like, no, we've seen Kronk's New Groove, the sequel to. <laughs> and he's like, but, but llamas. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I, think, I just, <laughs> I, I, I really haven't seen this. <laughs> I think what we, need to, what we need to say is you've seen Kronk's New Groove, the vastly inferior Sequel. I really enjoyed Kronk's new group. That's, it was adorable. It's good to know I, that you enjoyed it. It was super adorable. I, I, I think you're underestimating how awesome Emperor's I'm, new I'm not saying that it's better than Emperor's new group. Because I've, it is I've, not. I, and I'm not even saying that it's it's even like, you know, a movie theater worthy. I'm saying it was adorable and I enjoyed it immensely. Well, there you go. That's our preview. <laughs> For our next episode, The Emperor's New Groove. Thanks for joining us. I, we should point out, Melissa's got a new Wonkin podcast oh, about yeah. movies that uh, that we should we should allow you, her to plug. You need oh, more goodness. movie yeah. podcasts. What, what's yes. it called? It is called Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. It can be found Ooh. at xanaducinema.com. And it is a podcast whereupon Wendy Bowlesby and I drink a bottle of wine and talk about movies. Oh, yeah, and it's it's kind of a hot mess, and it's uh, that's kind of what it me- it's meant to be, and it has an amazing theme song that was done by Tim Wick and his cohorts, oh, Chad Dutton and, Chad Jeffrey Dutton and Jeffrey Brown. Oh, so you yes. should check it out just just for the theme song. It is something special to be sure. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of theme songs, we're about to break into ours, also written by me and Jeffrey Brown. Boom plug. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, enjoy our theme song. We'll catch you next time when we're watching The Emperor's New Groove. Yay! We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education.
Hudson's Seven. 